No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we're going to see how Joseph, from his exalted position as Prime Minister, administered the food program for all of Egypt. He's a wonderful example of a faithful man. We hope you'll join us now as Pastor Daryl continues in Genesis with chapter 47 right here on Simply the Bible. Safe and sound. That describes Israel and his household now that they were nestled in the fertile region of Goshen in the Nile Delta. Joseph was the prime minister in charge of the food distribution for all of Egypt during the seven years of famine. It was now the third year, predicted through the dreams of Pharaoh and the interpretation of Joseph. Joseph administered the food program, but there were no freebies. Later, God would provide a welfare system through the law given to Moses, where they could care for the poor among them and lend freely to those in need. But Joseph could not be held to that standard because it hadn't been given yet. And it was for God's covenant people, Israel. However, compared to the norms in Egypt at the time, this distribution program was unusually equitable and ethical. No one was complaining because Joseph literally saved the lives of all the Egyptians. We pick it up in Genesis 47, 13. Now there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very severe. So that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the grain which they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. Now this was likely the third or fourth year of the famine and there is no bread in the land. The Nile did not supply the water for irrigation as the Egyptians had been accustomed. So this famine was very severe, so severe that the people in Egypt and in Canaan lost all vigor and vitality and really were in kind of a survival mode. That year, Joseph sold grain for money to everyone who would come to him from Egypt and Canaan, and he brought all the money into Pharaoh's coffers. Verse 15, so when the money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, give us bread for why should we die in your presence? For the money has failed. And Joseph said, give your livestock and I will give you bread for your livestock if the money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph And Joseph gave them bread in exchange for the horses, the flocks, the cattle of the herds, and for the donkeys. Thus he fed them with bread in exchange for all their livestock that year. So the people ran out of money and came to Joseph again in that year, pleading for bread. And Joseph allowed them to purchase it with their livestock. Again, he was being equitable and not giving anything away, but making sure that he was administrating wisely the resources of Egypt. He didn't gouge them, however. He did not personally profiteer from their hardship. Rather, everything he gained was for Pharaoh 
and Egypt. Joseph really was the consummate administrator. Verse 18, when that year had ended, they came to him the next year and said to him, we will not hide from my Lord that our money is gone. My Lord also has our herds of livestock. There's nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our lands. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be servants of Pharaoh. Give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land may not be desolate. Now, this is probably the fifth or sixth year of the famine. The people had nothing left with which to trade, no livestock, no money. All they had were their bodies and the land that they owned. So they suggested that they trade these to receive food and seed so that they could continue to plant and reap and so the land would not become a desolate wasteland. They proposed that Pharaoh would own the land and they would be sharecroppers. In this way, they could still live in their homes, work the land, provide for their families, and give Pharaoh a portion of the fruit of the land. Then Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for every man of the Egyptians sold his field because the famine was severe upon them. So the land became Pharaoh's. And as for the people, he moved them into the cities from one end of the borders of Egypt to the other end, only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had rations allotted to them by Pharaoh, and they ate their rations which Pharaoh gave them. Therefore, they did not sell their lands. So the proposal that they made to be sharecroppers seemed good to Joseph. He bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. We are not told why Joseph moved the people into the cities, but perhaps their land was so dry that it really would have wasted the seed to try to plant it there. And so it was easier to distribute the food from the cities where there could be distribution centers and gather the people around those centers so that they would be within walking distance of the food. The priests didn't have to sell their land for they already received a food allotment from Pharaoh. Verse 23, then Joseph said to the people, indeed, I have bought you and your land this day for Pharaoh. Look, here is seed for you and you shall sow the land and it shall come to pass in the harvest that you shall give one fifth to Pharaoh, four fifths shall be your own as seed for the field and for your food. For those of your households and as food for your little ones. So they said, you have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. And Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt to this day, that is, when Moses was writing this, that Pharaoh should have one-fifth, except for the land of the priests only, which did not become Pharaoh's. Joseph provided seed for them, knowing that the famine was near the end. Soon they could sow and reap. And then they would be able to keep four-fifths for themselves, but one-fifth would belong to Pharaoh. Now, no one was complaining about this or arguing with Joseph about this. After all, they're the ones that suggested it. And Joseph gave them a good deal, and they knew it. Other nations charged their sharecroppers 40 or even 60%. 
So no one was saying you're taking our money, livestock and bodies, and now you're going to make us pay 20% tax. Rather, they said, you have saved our lives, so we will be your servants. They were grateful to survive the famine and keep 80% of what they produced. Really, if you add up all the taxes we pay today, it's more than 20%. Joseph established this law of 20% taxation in Egypt, and it continued well after the famine. And any nation ought to have enough to govern and protect its people with 20% of the gross domestic product. Verse 27. So Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions there and grew and multiplied exceedingly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the length of Jacob's life was 147 years. Now, while the Egyptians had to give up everything, the Israelites could keep their possessions. Perhaps the fact that they were shepherds over flocks and herds helped them out, since this was a despised profession among Egyptians. They probably received their food allotment in exchange for caring for Pharaoh's livestock, which, of course, he asked them to do. Thus, they prospered in Egypt so that they grew and multiplied exceedingly. When Jacob arrived in Egypt and met Joseph at the age of 130, he thought he would soon die. But his spirit revived, for he lived an additional 17 years in Egypt. In fact, Jacob was with Joseph 17 years in Canaan before Joseph was sold as a slave, and then again 17 years in Egypt before Jacob died at the age of 147. Verse 29, when the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, Now, if I have found favor in your sight, please put your hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. Please do not bury me in Egypt, but let me lie with my fathers. You shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. And he said, I will do as you have said. Then he said, Swear to me. And he swore to him. So Israel bowed himself on the head of the bed. Israel was a prince with God, and one who wrestled with the angel of God and prevailed. Yet the time came when he must die. Hebrews 9.27 tells us that it is appointed for all people to die once, and after this the judgment. Those who are wise don't wait until they are dying to prepare for that day. First, no one has a guarantee that he or she will have any warning. So many times, people die from accidents or an unexpected stroke or heart attack. Others are murdered. No one ever thinks it will happen to them. But the fact is that we must all die at some point. If you died today, would you be ready? Are you at peace with God? Do you know your sins are forgiven? Is your house in order? The most important task in life is to make sure that your name is written in the book of life in heaven. Do you know in your heart that it's written there and that you are saved? If not, then don't put it off another minute. 
agree with God that you know you are a sinner and that you believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and that he was raised to life on the third day. Ask God to forgive you and to make you a new creation in Christ. He will do it according to his word. Why gamble with your eternal soul? Israel wanted to put his house in order. For him, this meant making his own burial arrangements. He didn't want to be buried in Egypt, but in the promised land of Canaan with Sarah, Abraham, Rebekah, Isaac, and Leah. It is interesting that he didn't want to be buried in Rachel's tomb outside of Bethlehem, but in the family tomb with Leah near Hebron. Israel felt so strongly about this that he asked Joseph to swear an oath that he would do it. Israel chose Joseph for this task because he knew that Joseph was trustworthy and Joseph honored his father's wishes. By giving the house of Israel a great place to live where they could thrive, in equitably and ethically administrating the Egyptian food program, and in the final act of burying his father, Joseph proved himself faithful. And that is truly a commendable virtue. Proverbs 26 says, Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? May God help us to be such faithful men and women so that he can entrust to us the precious things of his kingdom. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. They meet every Sunday morning at 1030 at Pepper Ridge Elementary School in Boise. To listen to any of Pastor Darrell's teachings or to find out more about the church, please go by the website. It's at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. We'd love to hear from you. So tomorrow we're going to see how Israel takes surprising action with Joseph's sons and gives them an unexpected blessing. It's a lesson in the mystery of grace. Funny thing about grace, isn't it? We hope you'll join us as we continue in Genesis right here on Simply the Bible.